Um, hello, my name is Alex. Um, before we start, um, I don't think everybody knows who I am. Um, I preached at a core youth uh, camp, I think it was four years ago, about a little over four years ago. Um, and yeah, I was invited back. I think um, this is now a young adult camp. And it's exciting to see that this generation is growing and um, that God is doing something here in Melbourne other than coffee. <laughs> I have um, uh, just a little bit about me. I'm, um, let's see, my name's Alex. I, I'm married. I have uh, married to um, Joanne and I have four children, boy, girl, boy, girl. Oldest is 11 and the youngest is five. I practiced this. I, was like, I don't have to remember the middle two. How old. It's somewhere in between them. Yeah. Boy, girl, boy, girl. Um, uh, the, I'm from Sydney. Um, I'm not originally from Sydney. My wife uh, was born and uh, raised there, but um, I'm from the U.S. I, um, I'm, yeah, if you want to hear stories of good Mexican food, then I'm the one to talk to. Um, oh, what else? Oh, I think... If you don't know, anybody who was at the previous retreat will know what my favorite food is. What is my favorite food? It is egg yolk. Egg yolk. It's funny. I um, first thing that was said to me when I, um, when jo- Jonathan picked me up was you know something about egg yolk. So I was like, yes, yes, they remember. Uh, I I love food. I love food a lot. So if you want to talk to me about something, I love, I love Jesus more. And so I'd love to talk to you about Jesus. If you, if you have time, if you need somebody to talk to, if you want to um, get some pastoral counseling, you know, anytime we have free time, I'm available. Just take me aside and I, I'd love to just chat. Um, or, you know, if you want to talk about food, I'm, I'm happy to talk about food. But... Um, yes, that's, that's my passion in life, uh, Jesus, Jesus, and, and food. Um, yes, so we, we will, let's go into this passage, and as we go into this passage, let's begin with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for blessing us with this time together. We thank you that, we thank you that you have created this group. You have set up this church that uh, through your sovereign plan, through the work of your Holy Spirit, you have brought each person here. And so, Lord, as we spend these next few days together, Lord, as we spend every hour together, as we spend every waking moment together, Lord, may you use each person in this place to build one another up, to, to see you, to know you, to desire you more. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today. May we call upon your name today. Lord, may I become less, may you become more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, so, you know, we're, the theme of the camp is um, Exodus. Is it camp or retreat? What's better? It's, same thing. Whichever sound. Um, growing up in the States, we didn't call it camp. Camp required tents and things like that. We called it a retreat. But I noticed uh, somebody said retreat, camp retreat, same thing. 
right? Um, I'll use them interchangeably throughout. Um, but uh, the theme is Exodus. And I thought, you know, what's a great book to go through for Exodus? And so if you have uh, your Bibles, turn with me to Galatians. <laughs> turn with me to Exodus. All the passages will be coming from Exodus. Um, and so as we um, turn with me to Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 to 15. Exodus chapter 3, chapter 3, verses 13 to 15. Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 to 15. Oh, I, I can actually hear a Bible page turning. <laughs> and this is the word of God. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Just a, a, a little context. Oh, no. We'll start with a little story. I, I growing up, um, I was scared of everything. I was always scared. Um, I was scared of the dark. I was scared of spiders. Um, I was scared of snakes. I'd never seen a snake until I came to Australia. But I was scared of them for some reason. I was scared of mice. I was scared of rats. And I was scared of everything. And one of the things, uh, my, I had an older brother, and my older brother was, he was strong, he was brave, and he was the exact opposite of me. And he would, he would say to me, why are you so scared? And so he would do things to me at night, just to kind of, you know, his older brother, he's supposed to do this. And he would, he would say something right before we go to bed, like, watch out for the hand that comes out of the side of the bed. Good night. And he'd leave. And then I'd sit there and I'd look at the side of the bed and, you know, it's a tiny crack against the wall. And I'm like, oh, what if? What if a hand comes out and grabs me? And, you know, logically, what would happen? It would grab me. It'd try to pull me in and be like, ah, it's too small, you know. I'm like, hey, you know, you're not, I don't have to, you know, it's not very scary if you think, how big is this monster going to be if it's coming out of the side of the bed, right? But it scared me. It scared me. And the, the thing is, I was so scared. I was so scared that I could not sleep. I could not sleep. And then I would hear it. And, and you know, at night, the lights are off. It's dark. And it gets very quiet. And across the house, I li- I, my room was the furthest room from everybody else. Across the house, I can hear this. It was my dad, my dad, the snorer. And I can hear his loud, thunderous snore from across the house. And when I heard his thunderous snore, guess what I thought? He could hear me. He could hear me. If a monster were to come out of the side of the bed and grab me, 
all I would have to do is cry out, Daddy! Daddy! And he would hear me. And he would come running. And he'd use his hapkido skills, his martial arts skills, and he'd take out the little hand, <laughs> right? And throw the little hand, you know? what? You know, like, and I knew, I knew that comforted me. That comforted me. To this day, you know, when we're at this retreat, all the, all the guys here, you will experience that one person in the room that you need to sleep before him, right? That one person, because as soon as that person falls asleep, nobody's sleeping, right? You know what? As soon as that, open your window and let me hear it. Because that will lull me to sleep. I would say, hey, if there's somebody like that, you can put him in the room with me. But I snore. And that person probably can't sleep. Right? So, but there's that snoring. That's, uh, to this day, when I hear snoring, doesn't matter how loud it is in the same room, it comforts me. Why? Because I know, it reminds me that my father can hear me. It reminds me that somebody can hear me. Somebody can, can come running. Somebody can save me. When we think about Exodus, we're thinking about, um, you know, we're, we're leaving somewhere. Exodus is a time when the people of God were left, left out of somewhere. And I think that this theme is practical, especially to the young people of, of uh, 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 the Christian young people of our churches to this day. You might say, what does something so long ago have to do with me? But we are in the exact same situation. We are in the same situation as the people of Exodus was. The, the people of God during the time of Exodus when they were crying out to God, when they cried out to God, save me, save us, save us from this slavery. And God heard. When was the last time you cried out to God, knowing that He could hear you? Um, when uh, I look at some of uh, my older generation Koreans, I'm, I'm a Korean background, and um, when... Korean adult, like old Korean adults pray, um, they don't sound like the way we pray. When I pray, I sound like this. Dear God, I'm being very quiet and sounding very holy and calm. And this is the way it should be because this is the holy way you talk when you pray. That's how I pray, right? That's how most of us pray like that. When Koreans, the older generation Koreans, when they pray, they start off by saying, Lord, three times. Even in Korean. It's, uh, you can ask the Korean people. They say it three times. They say, Lord, Lord, Lord. But they don't say it like that. I'm going to say it in Korean. Chuyo means Lord. Chuyo means Lord. This is the way they mean. I don't need a mic for this. <laughs> And then they pray. They say it three times. They yell it at the top of their lungs. And then they pray. And they pray. And the whole room, it's, it's deafening. 
Because what, what do you see? What do you see at that moment when you see these people praying? What do you see? You see passion. You see people who are crying out to God because they know that God will hear. For many of us, we don't pray like this. For many of us, we don't cry out to God like this. And actually, it's kind of good because it's really loud, right? <laughs> but... Why don't we cry out with that kind of passion? Why are we so... Is it because it's such a different culture? Is it because we, we didn't grow up in that way? Or is it because we are so comfortable? So comfortable where we are. We are so content in where we are now. That we don't need a savior. We don't need God to mess up our plans. When you look at this passage, when you, this passage happens in chapter 3, in chapter 1 and chapter 2, it, it shows the situation in Egypt. It shows the situation in the, the, the place where the people of God are living. And it's not a good situation. In this situation, um, they're sitting there and they're given, they're, they're given by the king of the land, the Pharaoh, they're given a, a um, hard task. They're given a job. They're, they're treated in a different way. They're treated as slaves. They're treated with, with uh, they're disrespected. Their children, their children are, their children are killed. If you look at the situation, anybody in that situation would say, no, this isn't right. We need to get out of this place. We need somebody to save us, right? No. Not if you're Egyptian. If you're an Egyptian in the land, if you were a, a, a person that, that lived in the place at the time, if you were the person in power, then you went with Pharaoh's Commands. You said that's good because you benefited from it. For most of us, we, we feel like we are the Egyptians. We feel like we are the people who have the power. We feel like we are the people that we can do anything in this land. Right? You know... It, it, as long as you study well, as long as you get a good job, as long as you make enough money, you are set. And then if you're in that situation, do you need God? The Egyptians were not calling out to God. But guess what? They were in just a bad a place. In fact, they were probably in a worse place. Why? Because they didn't feel like, they didn't know that they needed a Savior. We are all Christians here, um, I hope. I, I think um, we all grew up in you know, some, some level of um, learning about the gospel, of knowing, oh, Jesus died for my sins. And we know these things. We know that Jesus is our Savior. But for most of us, when we say Jesus is our Savior, He is saving us 
just from hell, from eternal damnation. When we should be thinking, Jesus is saving us from everything. He's our Savior, not just in the future when I die, not just in eternity future, but He's my Savior now. For most of us, when we don't cry out to God because we are so engrossed in the culture, we are so a part of this world that God would only be a distraction. I, I love egg yolk. I'm, if you didn't know, I love it. I, only way I don't eat it is raw, right? But if you slightly cook it, I don't know how this works logically, but if you slightly cook it, I'm fine with eating it. In fact, I'll love it, right? But um, one of the things I do is when I eat um, like a soup, and I'll crack an egg and poach it in the soup, right? And as it's poaching in the soup, I'll let it cook just so it's like just done, like still liquid, right? So it's not raw, right? And after I do that, I, I eat. I eat around the egg. I make sure that the egg is just left until it's the last thing there. And then at the very end, I, 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 I don't just eat it. I sit there and I pray. I pray to God. I thank Him for my taste buds. I thank you, Him for the moment that He brought me to this place. You know what's funny? I don't say this out loud, but in my heart of hearts, truly in my heart of hearts, while I'm eating the meal and the egg is there, there's a different prayer that's going on. God, God, don't come now. Don't come now before I eat this egg. Let, you can come after I eat this egg, but don't come now. Don't call me back now. Why? You know, it's funny. It's, it's ridiculous, right? Isn't that ridiculous? It's just a piece of egg. It's just, you know, it's not even a dollar. It's just sitting. And I'm saying, God, don't come. Don't come with all your glory. Don't come with all your justice. Don't come with all your love, all your kindness, all your faithfulness, all your goodness. Don't come till I finish this egg. And it's ridiculous, but we do this all the time. We might think it's bigger. Lord, don't make me serve you. Not until I finish my degree. Don't call me to do your will, not until I make a certain amount of money. Until I've, I've bought a house. For most of us, the idea of giving ourselves fully to God can only happen when we retire, we would never, never call upon His name without thinking we've done it all. I've done everything I want to do. Now you can have the rest. Francis Chan um, showed this analogy. He took out a, a chicken uh, leg. He took out a, like a takeaway box and he opened it took out a little uh, chicken, chicken leg that was cooked. And he goes, this is your time. This is your time. I'm not going to do it either. 
because this is your time. And he took a bite. He goes, I have to work. I have to study. You know, I have, I have to hang out with my girlfriend. I have to uh, spend time with my kids. And he's, doing, he's taking all these bites until, it, you know, he's like, and then at the very end of the day, when you've done everything that you need to do, you go, here, God, you can have this. And he throws the chicken bone. And we expect God to go, oh, cool, and pick up that little piece of bone. When we give God our least, it shows, it shows that He is truly not our God. He is not our Lord. What does this have to do with this passage? With this passage, this name, um, the name that we cry out. When what happens after, um, after this period when the Israel is crying out, the people of God are crying out to God, Save us, save us. God sends them a Savior. And we know He's a Savior because He comes in an ark. Well, it says, you know, He's in that Moses basket. It's called a Moses basket in English, right? Uh, if anybody, uh, when you guys have kids, um, one of the things, the greatest things you can buy, invest in, is a Moses basket. It's called a Moses basket. It's just a basket that you, the baby sleeps in. And what's great is you can put it on your bed, you can pick it up and take it where you need to go while the baby's sleeping, and you can raise it up so that the baby's not throwing up all over the place. It's this great, great thing. It's called the Moses basket. And they call it a Moses basket because Moses, at some point, at some point his mother decides, I can't keep this baby. Pharaoh has made, made it clear that all the baby's boys are to be killed. And so she lets this baby go into the Nile River and lets it go in this Moses basket. But in the original language, it's actually an ark. An ark. And what's the ark? It's, it should point you back to Noah. The story of Noah and the flood. The boat, the giant boat was called an ark. Well, this basket is called an ark. And in that ark is salvation. And he, when she sends this baby off, she's basically killing the baby. In Acts, when Stephen talks about this, he talks about this baby. She exposed the baby. When she says she exposed the baby, she's saying exposed to the elements, exposed to die. And as she lets this baby go into the Nile, what, you know, what is she expecting? She's expecting that baby to die. But it's saved. The baby saved. And then this baby grows up, and as this baby grows up, this baby becomes a man, and he decides, I'm going to save my people. And so he kills an Egyptian. And rather than his people going, Oh, yay, you're a savior. What do they do? Hey, who put you over as a judge over us? You killed that man. Are you going to kill me just like you killed that man? And what does he do? He runs. He runs away. And this is 40 years later. 40 years later, he's living. He's lived his life. He's now a shepherd. He has two children, two sons, and just living his life. And he sees a burning bush. He sees a bush in, in the mountain, and it's burning but it's not being consumed. 
And so he goes, and this is his first encounter with God. And then in his first encounter with God, what does God tell him? He tells him, I have heard. I have heard my people. What else does he tell him? He tells him, uh, you know, when Moses asks him, Whom sh- who, what's your name? What do, I, who, what do I say? I don't know, I, you know. What's the name I'm to tell that sent me? And God says this cryptic phrase, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. If you look in your Bibles, um, most likely those words are all capital. I am who I am. I am has sent you. Right? Those, those words, I am, I am who I am, it's all capital. Why? Because that's the covenant name of God. If you translate it in any way possible, that's the best translation. I am. That is the name of God. And you see this name later in the book, in, in the Bible. And anytime you see this word, this covenant name of God, it's against Jewish law. You know, in the Ten Commandments, it says, you know, do not use the Lord's name in vain. And that's not just saying like, Jesus Christ, oh my God, right? It's not just, uh, it's like if I whisper it, it's, it's not as bad, right? <laughs> but it's those, that kind of language. It's not just that. It's they didn't say it at all. They didn't say it at all. Instead, they replaced that name with a title, the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. In, in fact, if you look at verse 15, it say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers. That Lord is His name, I am. But what does it say about Him? It says that God is faithful. It says says that God is, He will fulfill everything that He has said. By saying, I am, He's saying to the people, He's saying to His people, this is the name I give to you. This is my covenant name. For many of you, you, um, you know, you have friends. And for many of you, you have parents. And you speak to your friends and your parents in a different tone. And you use different titles. You know? When you speak to your friend, you might be like, oh, you bastard, right? Or you jerk. Or, um, but, you know, you'll use uh, endearing terms, right? And you'll, 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 you'll love them and say these things to them, right? But to your parents, you know what you don't do? Most likely, in some cultures they do, but you won't be like, say to them, you know, you won't say their name. You don't call them by name. My, my uh, baby daughter, uh, the five-year-old, when she was like three, she started to call me daddy. Daddy, daddy, daddy. I loved it. It's, it sounds really nice coming from her cute voice. Daddy, daddy. But then she started hearing people calling me Alex, and I would respond. So one day she would look at me and she'd be like, Alex! <laughs> and I would look, I was like, I was horrified. <laughs> no. You can't call me that. 
You cannot call me Alex. You and three other people in this house cannot call me Alex. Everybody else in this world can call me Alex. But you four cannot call me Alex. Why? Because our relationship is different. Because they are so precious to me that they have a title that nobody else can call me. Nobody here should call me daddy. Right? No. It's weird. Right? I'm not. Right? I'm not gonna, don't, don't call me daddy. It's weird. Right? But for my kids, they have to. For some form of it. Father. I, even father, I'm like, no. I'm not your father. I'm your daddy. You know? I'm your appa. You know? Or... It's different because that's the title given. That's the name that they have been given. That is who I am. And it's a different relationship from everyone else. When God comes and He says to Moses, I am who I am, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Whenever you see that succession, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Know this, that is is aiming at something. That means something. Only time you see those three names put together is when it comes to a promise that was made. Whenever you see those three names together, it's saying God is faithful to the promise He made to those three. God is faithful to them. What's the promise? It's that He will be faithful to them. They will be His people. That He will multiply them and make them great. You know, for most of us, we call upon God and, you know, we use terms. We use certain terms uh, when we pray. um, Father God, um, uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we use these as just because we hear other people use them. Because these are the names that we heard. But have you really thought about what you are saying when you use this? To call upon God. To say to God, you are my God. To say to God, you are my Lord. To say to God, you are my father. Is a very bold thing to say. It's a very risky thing to say. If I were to say to someone, you are my Lord, I will serve you for the rest of my life. And then I don't do it. There are consequences to that. To say to God, you are my father, it means something. To say, to use the covenant name of God, to call Him our Lord, it means that we have a relationship with Him that the rest of the world does not have. That He has revealed Himself to us. That He calls us His own. But to understand this, we need to look at the situation again. I, I talked about being, um, um, what were the people like in Egypt, right? What were they suffering? They were, 
They were suffering. And for many of us, when we think about that, it's, it's an old thing. Oh, slavery, you know, it's not something we need to worry about nowadays. You know, there's you know, still slavery going on, but not in my life, right? Not so. You are always a slave to something. You're always a slave to someone. You're always a slave to something. Um, I love my phone. Okay, I love it. It's right here. Um, I started doing this thing where when I get home from uh, church work or, uh, or, or if I'm home doing church work and my family comes home from school or something, I'll put it down. I'll put my phone down and I'll put it away because I'm like, that thing is demanding. It's demanding. My phone demands my attention. And I know that some of you, 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 you're constantly looking at your phone. It's become this, this thing that should be our tool has become our master. I saw a cartoon where it's the way we think it is. And it's this person looking down at a phone and going, check my emails. You know, um, you know, tell me the weather and stuff like that. And he's saying it and the phone's like, yes, master. Right? It's a tiny little phone. And, but the next panel is, you know, reality. And it's a phone, giant phone, looking down at this man and he's, check your email, you know, uh, check your status, you know, uh, read me, you know, what's the news, look at this, look at that. And it's so true, you look at your phone and it's become this thing that consumes you. Not just that, if you look at the world around you, how much of the world around you dictates who you are? You know, when I was young, when I was young, a very long time ago, uh, the style was different. Style was different. All the guys had these, their hair was short here, but the front was long. It was these long bangs. And sometimes they slick it back. Or there were guys that had this part down the middle, perfect part. And just down the middle, up to here, and then they would part their hair down. And you look now and it's like, wow, that looks weird. But back then it was like, whoa, so cool. Their pants were baggy. And I remember the first time I saw a guy wearing skinny jeans and thinking like, wow, how do you move in one of those? I will never, I will never wear skinny jeans. I remember saying this. And then like two years later, I'm wearing skinny jeans. Why? Because everybody wears skinny jeans. This culture changes. And when it changes, every little change, it demands, you need to look like me. Not me. Don't look like me. I'm not a very good example. right? But they say, that's what the culture says. You need to look like me. Your eyebrows need to look like me. Your eyes need to look like me. Your nose needs to look like me. Your makeup needs to look like me. Your car needs to look like mine. Everything, this culture demands, demands, demands. And if you are brave enough to say no, there's a punishment for that. You're ostracized. You're left out. People look at you funny. And so what do you do? You cave in. 
For many of us, we don't cry out to God because we are part of the culture. We are just like everyone else. For many of us, we don't cry out to God. God, we don't need you. Right now, I don't need you. Because I'm doing very well. When we have to realize that if, if God were to come right now, if He were to stand before you right now, or if you were to stand before Him, you would be wanting. You would need a Savior. Looking at your life, how much of your life is, revolves around God and how much of it revolves around this world, revolves around yourself. Look at the time that you spend in your life Look at the, um, uh, where you spend your money. Look at where you spend your time. Look at where your friends are. And what do you notice? How much of that belongs to God? How much of that is focused on God? We are living in slavery. We, we belong to this world. And for most of us, we have not thought to say, I need to cry out. What's amazing about this is, um, you know, I, you know, I uh, mentioned these two countries, Israel and Egypt. I, I'm trying not to use Israel, um, not because, you know, I have anything against Israel. I'm trying not to use it because it's us. We are the people of God. And I know that there are some people of Egyptian background and I remember um, having this uh, conversation with um, somebody from my church and going, how do you read? How do you read a passage where it talks about Israel, it talks about them as the oppressor, they, they're, the, you know, they're the bad guys, you know? And I remember as I spoke to this person, it's like, but you know what's interesting? That's great to look at and say, oh, they're the bad guys. But when you really look at humanity, isn't humanity the bad guy? If you look at the, the, uh, what the Egyptians did in that time, and you look at what we do now, the Egyptians were just another group of people. And it's not that Israel was so much better that God chose them. No, God chose them because to show them, to show the world. We are all in the same boat. It's not that Israel was so much worse, or Egypt was so much worse. It's not that Israel was so much better. We are all in the same boat, all needing of salvation. And what, where do we find the salvation? It is in our Lord. Because when God says, I am, He's saying that He will be faithful no matter what. When, you get, when, when I got married, I made a promise to my wife. And that promise was, I will love you. I will, I will cherish you. I'll, I'll care for you no matter what. Till death do us part. That's in the vow. That's the vow. Till death do us part. When God speaks... When God is saying, this is His name, He's saying He will be faithful 
no matter what. Israel is not faithful. Uh, a little bit spoiler alert. If you keep reading the Bible, Israel is not faithful. They're very quick to be like, yes, yes, you will be our God. We will follow you to the ends of the earth. But when it comes time to deliver, they are not faithful. I am not faithful. You are not faithful. We sin. We do not put God in the place that He is to be put. We don't exalt Him. We, we, put, him, we put Him as just in the passenger seat or even in the back seat. We call on Him when we need Him for little things here and there. On Sunday, when we're in church, before we eat, right before I eat my egg, I'll call on Him. But, when was the last time you called on Him? When was the last time you cried out to God? Not just in your situations when things were grim, when things weren't going your way. When was the last time you cried out to Him because you're a sinner? When was the last time you cried out to Him because the, the effects of sin were coming into this world? When was the last time you cried out to Him because of the sin, how sin was affecting your loved ones? We cry out when things are painful. When um, I, I sleep, I co-sleep with my children, the younger two, younger two. And my third child, he's seven. He's seven, and he's a big boy. He looks like a little sumo, right? He's stocky, right? I, I, big boned. He's big boned. He's really he's like stocky. And um, every now and then, I'll be sleeping. I'll be sleeping in bed. And I'll wake up to this immense pain in my lower abdomen area. Immense pain. And what do I do? I don't get up and go, ow, that was painful. No, I cry out. I cry out with immense pain because it hurts. And it's not like, ah, it's, ah, right? Because of where it's hit. I cry out with as much, it's, it's, it's loud. It wakes up everybody in the house. When something hits you and it hurts, you cry out. When somebody uh, close to you passes away, you cry out. When somebody you know is hurt, you cry out. You cry out when things are, when you are hurt in some way. But also you cry out most to the person you trust. You cry out loudest and the most to the people you trust. When you fall as a child and scrape your knee, what do you say? You don't kill, ouch! You know, Jeremy, come help me. You don't, you don't, no, who do you call out to? Mommy! Mommy! 
doesn't matter that there's five other people closer to you that could help you. No. You cry out to your mommy. Why do you cry out to your mommy? Because you trust her. She'll make it feel better. Cry out the name that God has given you. The name God has given you, He's given to you. It's the I am. I am who I am. Or I will be who I will be. It can be both. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. You know what's interesting about that second one? I will be who I will be. God is faithful no matter what. Even if you're not faithful, He's faithful. And sometimes His faithfulness means that it's going to cost Him. It's going to cost Him when, when, when you are sinning and He's a good God, He's a holy God, and He needs to punish sin. What did He do? What, how did God show His faithfulness? How did God say it? He sent His Son. He sent Jesus to die for your sins. We cry out the name that is above every name. We cry out Jesus. And you know what's interesting about Jesus? Is He's a fulfillment of this name. I will be who I will be. I will be faithful. I'll be faithful to you, even if you're not faithful to me. I'll be faithful to the point where I will pay. I will pay the punishment of your sins. So let's look. Let's look uh, during this time. Let's look at our exodus. Let's look at where we are living. Let's look at where we are content to stay. Let's look at the things that we cry out for. Money. I need money. Girls, guys, I need. Are they the things that fulfill you? A job. I don't know how many times I've seen somebody come to me in in tears and say, if I only had money, my problems would be fixed. I had people come to me and say, if... Why, why isn't God giving me a girlfriend? I've had people come to me and say to me, you know, my, jo- my job is at stake. My life is in ruins. You know what I've never heard someone say to me, come up to me and say this to me? I need God. I've never heard anyone crying, desperate, saying, I need more of God in my life. We take Him for granted because because He's faithful, because He's always there, because He's paid the price. I feel like that's the kind of person we want to be faithful to. That's the kind of person we want to give our lives to. If he has put so much into fulfilling that promise, if he's gone to the point of giving his son, then what can we give him?
What does he want? He wants you to call on his name. You know, it's the first night. You know, as you, we have um, many more uh, talks to go. As we have a lot of time to spend together, think, think about this trip. Think about this. Um, where, where do I stand? Do I want to exit? Am I happy to stay in Egypt? Am I happy to slay, stay in the slavery of sin, in the slavery of the culture, in the slavery of, of the world? What is waiting for me if I exit? What is waiting for me as a, in the exodus? The only sure answer to that in all the situations that Israel goes through, they don't, it's not, oh, they exit and it's all like milk and honey. It's not like that. There's a huge battle ahead. But the only thing that's permanent, the only thing that is sure, is who is with them. The one who we cry out to. I am who I am. Let's let's pray. I want us to spend a, a few moments just um, spending time with God. You know, cry out to God. You don't, you don't have to yell or, um, but just spend spend this moment crying out to God. Say His name. Say the name of Jesus. You don't have to. You don't have to say the covenant name. That's the covenant name. Jesus, Lord. Say his name. Call out to him. Ask him. Ask him to call you to himself. That during this retreat, during this camp, that he would reveal himself to you. And as he reveals himself to you, Ask him to make you his. So let's spend a few moments and then after a few moments, I'll close us. Let's spend some time in prayer. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you. Thank you that you give us. Thank you that you give us. Thank you that you give us. Hold on. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you. We thank you for the name that you have given to us. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you did not leave us in our sins, but that you sent your Son. Lord, as we um, spend this time together, Lord, I pray that you would prepare us for this exodus. That not only would you move all of us but that you would use us to create a movement that you would use us to create a movement that goes to all the churches and that we would we would escape from this culture from this world
and that we would create, that you would use us to redeem this world, to create a new culture, a culture that glorifies your name. But Lord, first and foremost, I pray that you would give us your name, that we would cry out to you, that we would speak, speak your truth. Thank you, in Jesus' name we pray.